Blog Talk Radio. Hello and greetings to everyone and welcome to this evening's episode of The Vibrarian Show. My name is Joelle and I am the Vibrarian. My purpose is to elevate, empower, and enlighten you with information that I hope you will find positive and uplifting. Every week we are here on the Vibrary Radio Network on Blog Talk Radio to have a conversation exploring this unknown and mysterious world of ours. There's no subject that we will not cover and no stone that I will leave unturned. You can kind of think of it like a knowledge quest. Uh, And I love having these conversations from week to week. We bring on panelists who talk about various subjects that are in their expertise or interest, and you just never know what is going to come out. Um, You can connect with the show this evening on our phone line, which is 646-668-8988. If you're listening on the phone line and something strikes your fancy and you want to call in to contribute to the conversation, just press the one key on your phone keypad, and I will get to you as soon as I can in the conversation. I'd also like to invite you to connect with my community I like to call them the Good Vibe Tribe, and this is on Facebook. You can find The Vibrarian, and that is V-I-B-E, as in energy, R-A-R-I-A-N. And it is also the same information on uh, Instagram and Twitter, at The Vibrarian. You can find me on social media. I'm always trying to pass along information that um, I find out in the world that I think you'll find interesting, that you'll find positive, and that will enlarge your knowledge base. So that might be pictures and random moments caught out in the wild on my Instagram or posts that are viral on Facebook. So I definitely invite you to tune in to that community, join us, and of course share things that you think would be helpful and uplifting to other people as part of that conversation. We are available this evening. There is a chat room online where you can ask questions during the broadcast. I'm monitoring that as we speak. Excuse me, one moment. (coughs) Sorry about that. I had something trapped in my throat. So um, tonight's show is really just a what's the 411 conversation. I'm here to talk about the things that I've heard this week or the last couple weeks out in the searching that I do in the communities that I'm connected with. This could be everything from uh, astrology, energy happenings, and of course I'm inviting you to uh, join along and contribute anything that you have that you would like to talk about this evening. Did you hear a rumor? Do you have a question about something you heard and need some further insight? This is the time to call, and we'll get it on tonight. Now, some of you may know if you've been listening to the show from week to week that I actually am a librarian. And so I used to work in the corporate environment, helping people find the answers to the questions that they had, and also helping the public. And I've transitioned over into this area of work because I still like helping people find information, but I really enjoy the kinds of people that are connecting through the Vibrarian show and as well as my Psychic Inside show. I've always been a bit of a... 
kind of like Indiana Jones and the search for the Temple of Doom and the Ark of the Covenant and the mystery of the Holy Grail. And, of course, I was an X-Files fan for many, many years. So I love uh, examining things that are unique and interesting. And, and of course, uh, the fact that I get to do this with um, – with people who also find it interesting and and sometimes a little quirky, it's really great to me because uh, it's a fun conversation. So this week I'm so excited uh, because we can really talk about any and everything. And I do have a couple callers who called in to contribute to the knowledge of the news and the happenings of the day. So we'll find out who that is. And we'll be on for about the next hour or so talking about what is the 411. So as I said, my name is Joelle, and I know that I am being joined at this particular time on the line. Who am I speaking with on caller 4045? Can you hear me? Ah, now I can hear you. How are you? This is Marcus. How are you? Yay. <laughs> Marcus, <laughs> uh, thank you for calling this evening. This is Marcus Howell, clairvoyant and author. Marcus lives here in the Atlanta area and has uh, been a guest on several of our radio shows. Um, he was on the Psychic Inside show a few weeks ago sharing the story of how he discovered and came to work with his psychic gifts and abilities. And he's also been on some of our other vibrarian shows when we've been talking about things like astral travel, dreams, projection, dream symbols, and I don't know, we've been talking online for a couple years now, Marcus, and it's never a dull yeah. conversation, so welcome never, this ever. evening. Thank you so <laughs> How much. are you? I appreciate it. I've been doing good. I've been doing really good. I'm still riding that high from the interview we had um, a couple weeks ago, and, and I'm still getting phone calls and um, still getting... Um, appointments and and been doing a lot of reading since then it's been really great awesome i'm so glad to hear that you know i'm a fan and a friend so you know i'm really happy to hear that because i think you're wonderful too I've also got on the line with us this evening one of our regular callers and supporters part of the good vibe tribe monica are you on the line can you hear me sure can hey everybody Uh, Hey, Monica. Welcome, welcome. Enjoying myself, ready to jump in. (laughs) Well, this is great, Monica. You've listened to many of the episodes of the show before, and so I appreciate your support of that. And, of course, you and I often talk offline about some of the topics that we're talking about or going to be talking about this evening. So what I really want to do is find out, what kind of energies you're experiencing, what have you read about, what is going on with you. And there's a message to my madness in this. What I am finding is as I start to talk with people individually, they will mention very unique topics, and then I'll talk to someone else a day or two later, and next thing you know, they're saying something very similar to that. And so we're not having as much individual experiences as one might think. So, um, you know, I would love to just compare notes with people to see what you've heard because I believe that there are 
our synchronistic messages that we receive that can help us along our journey. And sometimes we don't talk about stuff because we don't know who to talk about it with, especially if it's something that's unusual or kind of oh, what some people would consider on the fringe, if you will. So have either of you had any, like, really unique conversations that you were like, hmm, or read or heard something in the last week or two? Actually, I have, but I'll let ladies go first. I don't know. By all means, run with it, bro. <laughs> okay. You want me to go first? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I, you know how I am. I'm a big fan of energy, and I, I, I see how energy affects everyone. Um, and we're all gifted. We're all different. And a lot of times why you might get the same message from different people is usually because, you know, people are in tune and whatever's in the universe is supposed to be said is usually what's said. And I've noticed mm-hmm. that, like, lately, um, my aunt, who also is clairvoyant and lives in London, she mentions all the time how you should kind of, like, take a break and, and slow down around the time when Mercury in retrograde comes around. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I think um, that's usually a reason why some people – aren't feeling well doing readings or sometimes I get headaches doing them and, and it's always something, you know, that, that kind of makes you say what's going on and you know, why is it so weird right now and stuff like that. But I think that that all boils around to people, their energy, everybody's in sync. And, and, and lately I've been kind of getting a lot of uh, like wild moments uh, where things are coming through and I don't even believe it. And I'm just kind of like shocked myself. And then when, you see things coming around, and, and, and it makes a lot of sense. And, and other people that are gifted are saying the same thing. It's kind of like, wow, that's amazing how that happens. It's, it's, it's kind of like really, really thick energy going on right now. I absolutely agree. And what yeah, I am aware fair. of, I was what I'm aware of is the solstice energy from what I've read and understand and participate in several group uh, meditations and events online, that this was a major energetic portal that is available and affecting us um, when those major alignments of stellar energies happen, such as the equinox and the solstice. But this particular solstice was supposed to be have been very, very big. And so that was on or around, I think, the 20th, 19th, 20th, 21st, somewhere around there of June. And so mm-hmm. a lot of people were, um, from what I've read, they're saying that the collective of humanity is going through some energetic shifts that we were moving out of and have been moving out of a low vibration reality for quite some time, but that um, that there's a massive upgrade that happens. So what may happen is that you will receive changes to your energetic structure and also the things that are bombarding the planet from, say, the space realm as we kind of get into these alignments that may be making people, you might have headaches, you might be fatigued and feel off kilter. Some people I read were expressing that they had ringing in their ears or pressure in their head and crown chakra area 
or sudden yes. temperature fluctuations, such as getting very, very hot, very, very cold suddenly. And so this would have been, you know, probably a considerable portion of June, definitely around as we started to turn the bend toward the last half of the month, and that all of this is going to actually be crescendoing through the Lionsgate portal, which is on the 8-8 uh, portal, and then um, through the solar eclipse on um, August 21st, which is a huge event. It is going to be a, a visible across most of the United States, um, even in the Atlanta area, although I think you need to go up a little further north to get the maximum of the full solar darkness that happens. I think it only takes about three minutes for it to be completely obscured. But there is a massive energy that comes along with that as well, and from what I understand, that 2017 is a one year. So it is a very big year in terms of setting the new energy that we all will be moving forward in. So from what I understand, it's not going to let up anytime soon. You just need to rest yourself, properly hydrate, take care of your body. If you're feeling energetically low, then take a nap, you know, if you can, you know, but don't think right. that you're just experiencing it randomly because there is something happening in the collective that does not seem to be random. Yeah, that's true. Well, I would I definitely agree. agree. Yeah, for me, it's um, I kind of last time I was at the um, at the station. I had uh, done a little reading on myself, and it told me I was coming into this period. And it just seemed like everything got really, really quiet. And I'm like, okay, nothing is kind of flowing. But yet, you know, with me writing, I've seen a boost in that, you know what I mean, in just ideas and connections and different things like that. But on, you know, all in all, still I'm like, okay, is there a reason why I'm kind of feeling kind of even and nothing's biking, you know, and I think it's great to know and the information to be out there to let, you know, though, uh, those of us know who are not as familiar that, okay, this is coming up, this is how you're going to feel, this is what you need to do, you know, I mean, because for me it was just like stop, meditate, what are we doing here, <laughs> what's going on here. And um, just waiting, and in that waiting, being patient for the answers to kind of just flow on in. And for me, that's what it's been like, like, okay, anxiety a little bit and wondering if the connection is there and then just watching it flow in, like, really easy. So I definitely feel like there's something different going on, and I do feel like I'm gearing up for something, like something big is coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some light workers have mentioned that new ways of them manifesting their gifts are coming in, things that they didn't ever really experience before. And it's like you kind of know what your psychic gift and ability is and you're used to doing it like mm-hmm. you normally do it. But there's now mm-hmm. like some way that it's not working exactly like it was, but it's not in a bad way. You might be getting more clairaudient instead of clairvoyant or starting to see different types of um, spiritual energies rather than how you used to channel those energies. So I think that's pretty cool if there's an expansion of that energy coming out right now? 
I can agree. Yeah, I think that's so. I definitely agree, um, especially in all the turmoil that we can see that's going on in the world socially, to feel and to see a strong energy coming through that is positive and that is with change is very hopeful in a time where we kind of think everything is going upside down. So and mm-hmm. for it to bring more clarity to our gifts is like a double bonus because I know that, again, within this this social climate, as a race, as far as the human race, we're struggling. We are really struggling socially in trying to figure out who and what we are and what our purpose um, is. And this time has been trying. We've had more children born with autism. We've had more disasters and national uh you know, natural disasters. Just recently they had a um, a piece of um, of an iceberg break off the size of Denver. So, I you saw know, that. Global climate, yeah, climate war- global warming is a reality. You know what I mean? This is a, isn't something that we can ignore any longer, even though we want to and some of, some people want us to, that, you know, not only are we changing spiritually, but our world is changing. Our environment is changing. And I kind of feel like this is all in, you know, divine order itself, the whole change, because something had to happen in order for us to wake up and truly understand that our purpose is not tied to our material possessions or our um, popularness within social media, that we all have a destiny, we all have a gift, and we all have a path that to move the species forward. So, you know I me, mean? um, I shared with you earlier where I just, for me, I'm just like I'm so excited because there's more information out now that there, than there's ever been as far as those things that we speak about in whispers. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm waiting for the moment, and I think we're on the verge of it when we speak with loud voices to say, hey, this is what's going on. This is not something that is dangerous to your health or your spiritual soul, but you're growing. It's time to come off and shed off that, you know, that old skin, and let's get on with the new one of repairing ourselves spiritually as far and as well as socially. I absolutely agree. Now, I think that I have talked with several people who are both, you know, psychic and not psychic per se, just kind of aware individuals that I have conversations with. And uniformly, there does appear to be a financial constriction that kind of came and took people off guard just in the last maybe three weeks or so where it was like you were okay before, but something kind of maybe fell out of timing. And, uh, I mean, it's been across the board, and a lot of the people I've talked with are saying, you know, I don't know where this came from, and it's a little hard for me to be positive because I've got this stress going on, and it's kind of killing my vibe. I don't know where it came from, but I'm hustling. I'm super tired because I'm trying to make things work, and, This was Mm -hmm. unanticipated. And, you know, what I'm sensing is that it's like don't lose sight of the 
true vibration by the distractions of negativity, which are always around us, you know, and it's very hard to mm-hmm. not look at this world that you described and start or look at the news and start to feel lower in your right. energy and vibration. And I mean, honestly, financial um, energy is the quickest way to bring a negative experience mm-hmm. into someone's reality is for there to be a financial Mess up the crisis on there. Yeah, and then yeah. Yeah, that'll yeah. kill the <laughs> funk <mojo>. way. <laughs> you know. That'll yeah. kill it. Oh. <laughs> you know so how negativity is. It, it, it gets you every time. and um, it's, it's like sometimes I can't even be around certain people if they have a negative energy or a negative spirit, and it just, it just sucks the life out of you. And, and you have right. to kind of like tell yourself, well, I'm going to walk this way. Because, you know, I'm from Detroit. I, I like to cuss people out, so I tend to not okay. want to do that. <laughs> okay, just right. want to give them just a little piece of it, just a little piece right. of it. Right, just give them a little piece of it, something. Like, you got you to gotta have a couple of words. I'm just going to give you a few choice words. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I try to stay away from it just, you know, because a lot of times it's, it's not even worth it. And then you end up needing to smudge yourself or get a seesaw right. bath or something to just to remove that negative energy. And it's mm-hmm. horrible. Mm-hmm. Well, I say it's hard because say it's a normally a positive person who you turn to for positive reinforcement, and when mm-hmm. something hits them, then it's not that you want to withdraw your support because you realize that at this moment it might be for me to help uplift the person, even though I might have my own energetic things going on. You know, how do you deal with the reality of negative circumstances and energy without attaching or bringing that energy beyond a healthy level mm-hmm. in in compassion. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, like I know, Marcus, you're not yeah. an uncompassionate person at all. You stop and have kind words for people. And I know there's a mm-hmm. difference between, like, persistent negativity with people who just never see the the positive in anything, Debbie Downers, the energy and people leaf. who are right. situationally <laughs> experiencing negativity rather than persistently, right. you know. Well, I definitely exactly. agree for me. When you were talking about just recently, you know, I've, I've noticed in my, you know, in my pack that a lot of the very professional career set women are, you know, either losing their jobs or walking away from them. And just, you know, in the last, let's say, year and a half, I know at least seven different women that just threw their hands up and said, it's enough. You know, and it wasn't even I got something lined up, nothing like that, like just not this anymore, not this. Mm -hmm. And seeing women step in to their dreams where, you know, we have been tied to corporate feeding tubes and buying the latest baby food in materialistic, you know, aspirations to kind of feed what we're not, what is empty, which is our spirituality. So to me, to see a surge, especially of women and of black women coming out of the corporate arena like, okay, I'm done let's get on to the next thing. And even if it's, you know, opening up a nonprofit or even stepping out on their own and doing their own thing, 
And it's that transition in the middle that I find them, you know what I mean, you find them kind of struggling because, like you said, it's a hit when you have become regular in your routine, you know, and even in your financial routine, a check is going to hit at this day and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and everything's budgeted out. And then one day you hit and it's not there, you know what I mean, and you're looking at your savings and you're trying to figure out, what is really going on and with everything that's going on. And a lot of these women are, like, really rethinking their roles in corporation and that balance between work and family. And I think I that in say, itself is amazing. I would, in my experience and the people I'm talking with, it's not just women. There seems to be a steady stream. It's mm-hmm. not fast-flowing, but it has been very persistent in my awareness the last few years of people who are feeling a sense of soul-level dissatisfaction with the mm-hmm. way that they have been able to use their gifts and abilities. And most people yep. get a job because they're good at it, they like what they do, but it's possible that you may hit this crossroads where you're like, you know what, it's not really achieving the help that I thought it would help to people, and I'm not as mm-hmm. happy as I was doing it. And I'm men mm-hmm. and women, and I'm seeing that with people of all ages. But, you know, I'm 45, right. so there has been a steady stream of my college peers who in the last five years from looking at their Facebook feeds have walked away from that, uh, again, what you were originally doing. But here's the thing. They're all reusing the skills that they acquired during that first career, if you will, and they're finding very unique and individual ways to then do that and then some And I think the biggest thing is that they want to control it, so they leave a corporation because Mm -hmm. there's not an ability to control how your effort is used as much. And entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. gives you that space where you can really then say, you know what, I think uh, it needs to be this way, and where I can control it, then I will do so and be able to be much happier inside even if I'm not maybe as financially successful right away. Right. Yeah, and then also knowing that, you know, it doesn't take much to make you happy. I think we're all kind of learning that lesson, you know, having learned it for a while with the economy fluctuating, that it doesn't take as much as you thought to survive. And there's a whole lot of things that you can kind of do without and are better for it, you know. And getting down to the simplest thing, you see more gardens starting to pop up. You know, whether or not it's community gardens or individual gardens, you're starting to see more of a movement towards, you know, being conscious not only mentally and physically, but spiritually. You know, we've seen a lot of going back and forth with um, religious beliefs, you know, and the negative part of it. But at the same time, we've seen a lot of touching moments of people that, you know, are coming past that and they're looking at, you know what, there is no difference and we need to show that more and more. So, you know, you see the negative part of it. And I think with a lot of us, it's like, where do we fall in? You know what I mean? And especially at a certain age, 
I think your mind starts thinking, you know, when you were younger, you wanted to hang out, and it was all about the friends and the this, that, and the other. And as you get older, you look at more quality things. What truly makes me happy? Who makes me happy? And, you know, I mean, what is really enough in your life? You know, even to the point of reconstruction, reconstructing friendships and how you look at your, you know, look at yourself and look at your family and you see a lot of that. And I, and I think that ties into that people looking in the mirror and saying, oh, my goodness, I'm worth more than a piece of, piece of paper told me I am and that I can achieve it. So why not try it? So, you know, again, in the midst of what we think is turmoil, you, you're start, I, I feel we're still we're still seeing a lot of growth, but growth in a different area. Do we need more? Yeah. But, you know, right. as long as we're moving forward, I'm fine. Right. Right. I have another caller who has just called in, and I do have a question from someone who in uh, the chat capacity this is the vibrarian show and i am on this evening with uh just having a wonderful conversation with um monica and marcus and i believe that we are now able to add kelly lynn prime to the call kelly are you with us yes 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 how y'all doing yes hey how are you welcome welcome This is Kelly Lynn Prime of Fitness for the Soul with Kelly Lynn Prime, and I am very glad that you called in. We have been talking about the state of the world today and the energies that we're feeling. We talked about the solstice a little bit and the eclipse coming up, and one of the things that was mentioned was that there was probably a retrograde coming, and you, of course, have a class, a workshop that you facilitate about Mercury retrograde. So I would love for you to share a little bit about what this means for us as we head into that time period. And we're just, again, flowing with the conversation. So everybody just pause and give... I want to start by saying I am not an astrologer. However... I have a wonderful business partner named Monique Ruffin, and she is the astrologer. I am the energy. So we have paired up, and um, it was last year. I was thinking of how Mercury retrograde can be a very challenging time, and a lot of times people – and Mercury retrograde typically happens once a quarter. So if you're in a certain quadrant of the year and you're kind of going through a rough time, you might either be in a shadow period of Mercury retrograde or you might actually be in the retrograde because what people typically don't know is that an entire Mercury retrograde is about 60 days. So we have a period where of about three weeks, that is the Mercury retrograde, but we have shadow period leading up and we have shadow period on the other side of it. So, yes, we are approaching the um, the shadow period of this coming Mercury retrograde 
The shadow period starts around July 24th. And what's interesting is that we have, let me look at my calendar. Do you guys know the date of the, um, there's a lunar eclipse? That's really Um, early in August. That's in August. Yes, the lunar eclipse is on August 7th. And then the solar eclipse is on the 21st. So there's two weeks between the the two of those. So an eclipse, the eclipse energy within Mercury retrograde, you already know that's going to stir some stuff up. So... You've got a little bit of um, static. is we have designed a program to help guide you through that period. There will, there's daily um, astrological guidance and daily uh, intuitive and energetic guidance as well. So we are actually in the process of doing that. We um, updated our website today, and I actually I have a friend who's on the way here. He and I are going to... Um, Finished a couple of updates on the website, but it's uh, MercuryRetrogradeReset.com. We have a Facebook page. We have have an Instagram page. So if that sounds appealing to any of you and something that you might want to check out, I would love to uh, have you guys follow us and see see what we're up to. Um, I did catch a little bit of what Monica was talking about, and I quit my job in 2011. I was a public school teacher, and I had been studying um, Reiki and chronic healing and psychic mediumship and all of that. And by 2011, I was like, I'm through with this. I can't stomach how this system is attempting to brainwash and um, not really teach kids anything. Right. And it's not a random thing that this is happening. Um, You know, and I think, Marcus, you've switched career focuses in the last four years as well, haven't you? Well, I guess if you consider me a Jamaican, I guess you could say that because uh, <laughs> I switched jobs so many times. And sometimes people ask me, "What do you do?" And I'm like, "I, I do everything." But I, um, well, when I moved to Georgia, I started off working for eighteen wheeler company, driving eighteen wheelers. But in the last four years, um, I basically had my own flooring company. And that was okay, and I liked it and everything. And then I, I got into real estate, and so real estate kind of stuck with me. And I, I began to like that more and want to do that more 24 hours, you know, as opposed to trying to do both because doing both was killing me, you know. So uh, prior to me writing a book and, and and finding out about my gifts and starting to do stuff like that, um, 
you know, it, it, I mean, sometimes I cut hair. I'm a barber. I do this. I, I do everything. You, you name it. I've I probably had the job or I've done it for a period of time. So I never really sit still. That's the lever in me. You know, I, I hate to sit still and, and let grass grow under my feet. So, Well, we do have a couple call questions that have come in to see what the what is. The first thing is, um, and I don't know who might be uh, have to, to contribute on this. We have a caller who wants to know about pendulums and divination with pendulums. So for people who just heard me talk a different language, like pendulette, uh, so um, so a pendulum would I be could an actually object. Answer that question too. Okay, well yeah. go ahead, Marcus, to start. Yeah, but go ahead and explain what it is for people that don't know. Yeah. Well, a pendulum can be anything. It can be something that is specially crafted that hangs from a type of string or necklace or chain, or it could even be something as simple as um, like your key ring. Or The whole point is that there is a weighted dangling object that is able to freely move around attached to a string or or connecting length of of chain that allows the energy to move through you to it to indicate answers to questions that you are posing to the spirit realm. Does that sound like a reasonable definition? Yes, yes. ma'am. Mm-hmm. Okay, so divination is the act of trying to find out messages from the divine realms or from the spiritual realm. And people use various tools or can use various tools to do this. And so these would be considered divinatory arts. And pendulums, dowsing rods where people are looking for water, uh, oracle cards, crystals. I mean, there's any number of odd things and practices that can be considered divination. But pendulum is a very specific one that um, I personally don't have a lot of success with pendulums. But I have friends who are who very strongly know and receive strong swaving circles and motions, I mean, their pendulums just go crazy. And it's like sometimes as soon as they put their hand over a pendulum, it just immediately starts going because their energetic connection is so strong. Mm -hmm. Do you use pendulums, Kelly? I have mine in my hand right now. (laughs) 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 I was like, oh, my pendulum. I haven't used that in such a long time. You know, um... For me, I am energy healing is my is my main it's my area of strength. So I have noticed that even for me when I am when I am uh giving energy to um a client there is a a pull with my body. So I will feel a a pull like okay more energy and when it's enough there's it's almost like there's this um there's like the stopping of the energy and the stopping of the energy kind of like sends me back on my heels so it it totally shifts my weight so um I feel like I I kind of have I kind of have that 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 
pull in in my body, and I I am very connected to sensation in my body. So if someone else has something going on in a particular chakra or a particular area, I will often um, I may not feel it physically, but I may notice that maybe I'm rubbing my temples. And because I'm rubbing my temples, I'm like, okay, so maybe there's headaches or maybe there's something going on in that particular part of the body. Um, I do use pendulums. I tend to be a little telekinetic, which means I can look at this thing and I can, and I can pretty much tell it to spin in a circle and it'll spin in a circle. And okay. I can say, go, go the other way and it'll go the other way. Mm. Is that challenging so, to when you're reading then? I mean, it it can be because there's there's a debate. Okay, is it really is it really going, or am I willing it to to go that way? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Marcus, do you use pendulums then? Well, remember before we had a conversation, and I talked about this class that you could take to um, you know develop your gifts further and. And you, uh, you you finally got your your stuff together, and you went and took the class. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, in that class, uh, they they talked about uh, using the pendulum, and I had never heard mm-hmm. of it, and thought, you know, well, I guess you know, why not try anything? So, um, I ended up using one, and from what I've learned and seen and experienced dealing with pendulums, either you have it or you don't. It, it, it's no in-between. There's no 50% or no no 20 or 30 or 65, you know, either, either you're zero or 100. <laughs> and and some people just, it's not for them. It's, it's, and some people, you know, they have other means and tools. I tried it, and I, it was very interesting to me. It actually worked. And it worked pretty good, but I guess I kind of sucked myself out of it because I didn't want to become dependent on it. And let's say I'm out of town or, you know, just don't happen to have my pendulum with me and someone wants to do a reading, you know, and I always tell myself, well, maybe I shouldn't, you know, and I couldn't walk around with it all the time because the one I had was pretty big. So, (laughs) you know, I was like, I'm not going to. You're not going to pull it out in the middle of the bank and uh, ask a question? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nope, that's funny. Yeah, I, I I really wouldn't. And it's almost like alcohol with me. Like when I drink alcohol, I get so amplified, and readings just seem seem to flow. It's so easy, and and it's it's almost fun to do readings when I I got a little buzz or a sippy sip going on. So I always, you know, and then I have to tell myself, okay, well, let me not be dependent upon that. I don't want to be the the drunk psychic or the drunk clairvoyant, you know, <laughs> and so I, I I tend to just you know fall back and, and and believe in myself and what I can do and stuff like that. Now it's it's okay every now and then I'll grab the pendulum just to see if it still works, and and it actually still does. Uh, I have a cousin um, in the family, and you know I guess you know gifts are just swimming throughout my family. But my cousin mm-hmm. was showing me that she has a pendulum and she knew how to use it. And, I mean, the minute she picked it up, it, it just started taking off in all kinds of directions. And I was like, wow, 
And I was, like, kind of surprised to see this in her because, you know, when you see gifts like that in other people, it's still surprising, I guess. And I had never seen her do anything like that before, so it really surprised me. It was cool. And, you know, I just, I like them. I just, I don't use them all the time. I, I, I hardly ever use them in a reading. So, I mean, we've all kind of shared what pendulums are. Let's put together a real quick, uh, you know, if you want to start using a pendulum, this is what you absolutely essentially have to know about it and what you should do to begin experimenting with this. I mean, my first thing is always I mean, set your intentions and, and call in your protectors. You've got to get a pendulum that you resonate with. Like, go and go to a place where they sell them and, you know, pick them up, um, see how it feels in your hand, see if it's something that you think is um, beautiful. Mine is made out of rose quartz, and it has a pearl on the end of it. So it's very, it's, it's very feminine. Um, it's very light. Um, it, I, I was just attracted to it. So choose well, something that resonates well, with you first of all, and then just get one that is inexpensive and just play with it. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is you don't even have to really start by buying something. Like if you have a necklace on a chain or I've seen people even fashion it out of using a type of like string and just tying it around something that is heavier, putting four or five, six inches between your hand and the object so that when you rest in your hand, it can move around. Because, I mean, me personally, I bought a couple pendulums, and, I, I mean, they're beautiful, but now I don't have any use for them because I'm not using it as a tool, you know. So before you invest any money, maybe you can do some home. I've seen people tie keychains key or a key on a key, a single key on a key, or a key itself not even on the ring because it's heavier to a string, and you should be able to have energy move through it. it. You know, crystals, I think, when you buy a pendulum, of course, amplify energy, but I don't think it's essential, um, you know, to do it. I always go for, like, the low barrier to entry, you know, before you go investing a bunch of money or, you know, I've right. seen them as expensive as $30, $40, as cheap as $10, but – how can we do Home Depot style <laughs> at home psychic <laughs> tools from Home Depot, you know, craft wizardry or something like that? <laughs> well, I don't know about but, you guys, but I have a I have a necklace that has a, a pendant on it that I wear almost all the time. So if you have something mm-hmm. like that, use that because it's already attuned to your energy. Right, right. And there's some other things, too, um, that you're forgetting. Um, It's kind of important for someone starting out using the pendulum. Mm -hmm. First, you have to get one, like she said. And, you know, when when Kelly mentioned, you know, pick one that kind of calls to you that you can kind of feel has your energy and, you know, and you feel comfortable with it. And then after that, the first thing I do, just like with buying a crystal, is you, you clean it or, I would put uh, sage smoke around it, you know, to kind of clear the energy of the people who dealt with it and had it before in the past. 
or someone mm-hmm. who's handled it before, I always clear mm-hmm. the energy off of anything I get. <clears throat> and if I if I don't use sage, I'll use, like, warm salt water just for a quick second to kind of rinse it and just get the inner, other energy off of it. And then I put my mm-hmm. energy into it. Mm-hmm. And that could mean, you know, walking around with it in your pocket. Sometimes I put them in my hands and um, – I actually have some of my crystals here now, and I've always keep them in my hands, and and people will hear me doing this, and they're like, "What's that?" And I'm like, "Oh, these are my crystals." Oh, let me see them. No, can't touch them. Just me, <laughs> you know. And I and, right. I and I do that. I do that for a while, and I, I'm like, you know, just my energy. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have people like? They just go straight for like whatever you're wearing, like your your crystal or your pendant or whatever, and they want to be touching it. Do you ever have that happen? Well, not really. But I'm one of the nicest people you could ever meet. Joel can 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 you know co-sign on that one. But a lot of people say I look mean or I, I don't have a very <laughs> welcoming face. <laughs> so it's just my face. It's not really me and my personality. So it's very rare where someone will just walk up and try to touch or grab something, you know. But, like, with my crystals, I've been, like, at a um, like a, a get-together or a party, and I have them, and I would sit them on a table, and someone would just reach to pick it up, and I'm like, no, you know. <laughs> and so they kind of, like, they, they kind of get it when, when I say, you know, don't touch that, you know. And if, and if someone did, it's not like it's the end of the world, you know. But, you know, I prefer just to put – yeah, I prefer to just put my energy into my crystals and and the pendulum I have, I, I keep it in a drawer. I haven't even touched it in probably a year or two, and you know, but it's there and it's just a string. And and when I saw it in the store, it just kind of like called to me because I'm a big fan of the color blue and any shades of blue that I that I feel like I haven't seen before or something that's kind of like different or stands out. I tend to be drawn to them. And so when I saw this pendulum, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And and that's what, you know, called to me. But the first thing I did was I cleared it, put some uh, sage smoke around it, and dipped it in some salt water. And then I, I just touched it, me, myself, and I, and until I felt like my energy was in it pretty good. And that's when I started practicing with it. Well, I do think well, it's important that I was going to say, I I do think it's important that people set their intention, not only for the tool that they're using, but for the communication that you are attempting to receive. And that that's super important to, you know, A, dwell in a place of protecting. And our verbal and intentional statement of that energy is really what, triggers that, you know, so if you're sitting down with the pendulum and say, you know, I'm calling on my guides and the highest living unconditional energy um, to be present and to communicate with me and I only receive that which is of unconditional love or whatever your particular way of expressing what you would feel comfortable with in terms of opening yourself up to receive these messages that come through. Um, you don't want to just start swinging a pendulum around and open yourself up to receive information. And then, I mean, honestly, I don't know what who could say, oh, here's an open phone. Let me pick up the phone, <laughs> you know. But maybe that's a bit overly conscious of me, but I've learned through 
the classes and things that I hear other people say that you always, always need to clarify what you are doing before you start doing it. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense to me. And Kelly, you were getting ready to say something? I was just about to say that, you know, I, I asked that question to Marcus because, you know, I have a lot of really beautiful jewelry wrapped with crystals that when people see them, they want to touch them. And so I might either tell that, just ask them to not touch it, or I allow them to touch it. And then I say, you know, it's not really, um, it's not really proper etiquette to touch other people's crystals. And then they're like, oh, I didn't know. And I was like, okay, well, now you know. <laughs> well, it's kind of like people touching pregnant women's bellies. They oh my tend God, to think, yes. oh, you're pregnant. They come up to touch you. And I've seen people be like, hey, you know, now some women are very much like, oh, but other people are like, you know what, I don't or, know about everybody's energy to just touch me and my unborn child. Or your bald head, Marcus. Do you get that? People would have just come up and touch your head. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, people always come to touch my hair, too. So, you know, some people have boundary violation issues just in general principle. (laughs) They feel like I I can be in your personal space because I want to. Someone will walk up to me or it is. And, and thank God it's usually a lady, but, you know, they'll say, uh, oh, your skin is so soft, and they'll just rub you in the head. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm like, where'd that come from? I'm like, hold on. But you know what? Right. I am I am short. I'm five foot one. And if somebody pats me on the head, like, I don't like oh that God, either because it makes me horrible. feel like you're treating me like I'm five. Right. That's horrible. I hate that. Well, you know, I think that some people who bring their crystals in public or their tools in public, um, I personally, I bring my Oracle card library to the Elevation Station events that I have um, monthly in Mm -hmm. the Atlanta area as part of a place for people to learn how to or get to expose themselves to card divination. And there are some people who are like, oh, I would never take my decks out and let people touch them. But I believe that I have the power to clear any energies that happen to be encountered and um, intentionally allowing that to happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, crystal uh, people who like, well, sure, you can touch it. They don't bring their most intimate private crystals out, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you're not going right. to bring your yoni crystal or your lingam stone <laughs> out for people to touch it. What? And if people don't know what those are. <laughs> I've, I've heard of the yoni crystal, so oh boy. Yeah, you know, those are <laughs> internally personal crystals, if you will. So no, you're not going to bring those out personal. for me to handle. <laughs> okay, why, why not? I thought I heard that why one. Why not? <laughs> so uh, we know no, a yoni is. Why not? Why not? Do you not? think that your Do you think that your yoni does not contain magic? Because it does. 
Oh, it does, but I'm not bringing my yoni crystals yeah, out to be on the table yeah. for people to handle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I might have my... that, that can be that can be cleared and and cleaned just like any other crystal. Uh-uh. Hey, well, uh, <laughs> some things it's like a toothbrush. You just don't share. You know what I mean? Yeah, there you I go. Mean, I think I have I think that's, your, that's your personal preference, but. If right, you, if right. Motorcycles, and I still love them and everything. I just got, in my opinion, too old for them. The street bikes, and it was like a common rule amongst anybody that rode that, like, if if we all pull up to a restaurant or go out to eat somewhere, and we all get off of our bikes, and someone sees my bike and they say, "Oh, that's really nice," you know, it was just a given that you don't walk up and get on my bike and sit on it. You know, like, oh, this is really cool, and, you know, sit down and play with the handles and all of that stuff. That's that's how a lot of fights get started. <laughs> and so it was almost <laughs> like you don't just jump on somebody's bike, you know. And, and, and I guess, you know, that was just like proper etiquette. And, and mm-hmm. so what, what, what people would always do is they would always ask. If they saw my bike and thought it would look pretty cool and, and wanted to sit on it, you you were supposed to approach me first and then say, hey, this is a really nice bike. Do you mind if I sit on it? Then I give you the permission mm-hmm. and it's okay, you know. But mm-hmm. I, I think you should ask first, I mean, it, it, especially with a yoni. I mean, you don't know <laughs> if you're going to pick that up, what you're going to walk away with. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> but it's funny. Well, it's interesting I want to finish up the pendulum so we can get on to other things, but it, I did go to just this week. I, I always go to free webinars that I'll get solicited for. Either I'll see them on Facebook or I'll get them in my email, and they're like, come learn how to do such and such free for an hour. And, of course, it's usually a preparation for a larger sales pitch, but a lot of times you get very valuable information out of the hour. And this week I spent an hour listening to a program about orgasmic manifestation. I kid you not. Oh, yeah. you know? So when you're saying that, Kelly, i like, well, that's a synchronistic hit this week because they were yeah. talking about the, the focus that happens in that moment is extremely powerful. And that creation, if it's powerful enough to create the seeds of a new person, then, of course, you can create new anything, objects, reality, manifestation, with that same orgasmic expression. So I think that's funny that you uh, happen to bring that up this evening. I cannot remember the name of hers, but, but her program is called Orgasmic Manifestation. She kind of trademarked that, so... Uh, I'm sure there's information out there. I, I really can't remember her her name. Well, overall, it was. 
there's another practice called oming, which is orgasmic meditation. And that is um, by a woman named Nicole Daydone, and she wrote a book called Slow Sex. So if you don't, and hmm. it's called oming, oming for short. Okay. <laughs> oh, the gist of oming is that it is a yoni massage and it focuses on the clitoris using one finger in a very particular area of the clitoris very, very lightly. And I'm talking about microscopic movements. For 15 minutes. Hmm. What? <clears throat> so it's, it's about, goal of it is to help women really get into their body and feel sensation. Get out of, get out of their head and come into the body and really feel the sensations and have healing happen. I mean well, that that seems to parallel the it seems to parallel the yoni stones as well because you're placing energy within yourself to and that women who wear them of course are aware of that being part of their person and become more sensitive and will change the particular yoni stone to change the properties of healing that they're wanting to bring in so that's very interesting i guess men don't it wouldn't be quite the same thing to get oh, no. <laughs> oh no so, okay, let's, let's, let's be practical here men can oh, no. can get the uh the the, the what we call yoni eggs yeah. as well you may you're not going to put them inside of you, but you can carry them in a in a pocket or hold them, meditate with them. I mean, they they can have the same are you, quality. So are you saying of, you can put the stones next to your stones? <laughs> <laughs> I just knew that's what she was going to say. Like, put them on up underneath here. You'll be okay. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh. That is hilarious. That was so hilarious. I think when when Kelly started telling that story, when Kelly started telling that story, I could have swore I heard Monica say, what? (laughs) You know I did. Like, wait a minute, hold up. Because immediately I'm like, okay, where is he going to tuck it? Is it going to be up underneath, or where where is she getting ready to go with this? Oh, my God. You can put the right kind of underwear on, you know, it could work. You know the ones that that really like hold everything tight to the body. You could put the put the stone in there. I mean, it it could work. Well, well I, and I, I think there is the, a lingo back there. Too much. I just want to speak for the guys and say, nope, that's not going to happen. It's not going to work. <laughs> well, <laughs> I do believe it's just, it's, it's the lingam. I think the lingam stone, which is more like a phallic shape, like a penis. Uh, might be the counterpart to the yoni eggs, you know, and so maybe that practice works better because it's a companion rather than a possible injury. You know what I'm saying? 
Well, but, even, uh, even like with with tidy whities, I just don't see it working. It, it, I mean, yeah. tidy whities always start off tidy whities. But yeah, after a couple <laughs> hours of walking and working and doing things, tidy whities get loosey goosey. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> nothing stays. Nothing stays in in where it's supposed to be. <laughs> Well, that's the compression. Well, yeah. I don't think the adjustment Uh, factor would be a bit much. You know what I mean? I'm I'm going to say no for that one. (laughs) Easy. On behalf of the man contingent, Marcus says uh, a no. Uh, We're definitely going to have to come on and have another episode about sexual energy. (laughs) I just can see it as it's emerging here. Yes. I want to shout out to the callers who have been listening and holding on. I know we've got a couple people who listen to the show on the road when they're driving truck. And so hello to our truck driving fans who are listening, spreading their vibration all around this nation as they're delivering our goods and products for us. All of you stay safe out there, and I appreciate your support of the show. Um, this is the Vibrarian Show, and I'm having a wonderful conversation this evening with Marcus, Monica, and Kelly Lynn Prime. Uh, as you can see, we're just really enjoying ourselves. And uh, to, to talk one last bit about the pendulum before I bring up the other topic that came up in the chat room, one of the key things with pendulum questioning is really Understanding how to ask questions of spirit, especially if you're at a basic pendulum beginner kind of phase, you're you're really kind of trying to stay in the yes, no question. But a lot of us ask questions that are too ambiguous to really, we don't know that we're not asking the, the really question that we really want to know. Most of us don't learn how to do that. And so as a librarian, I would get that all the time. People come up to you and say, you know, hey, I want to find a book. Uh, okay, can you tell me about that book? I'm like, well, you need to be a little more specific, okay? Oh, it's, it's fiction. Oh, thank you. That just narrowed down half the written materials in the world, but let's be a little more specific. So when you're working with the pendulum, it's very much like that. You can't say, will I have, uh, will I have a love of my life? my soulmate be coming. Well, it could say yes, but spirit is viewing outside of the realm of time as we understand it linearly. And so it could be next lifetime, honestly. <laughs> you know, it's saying it sounds kind of right. wild, but do wow. you have any strategies? That, for... that is the same thing when you're when I'm doing readings, if you're not asking me a specific question, it's just going to take more time for me to sift through the information. So if you mm-hmm. come to, I ask clients to prepare questions ahead of time, and I talk very specifically with them about the type of questions to formulate. And I talk about specific questions versus general questions. So mm-hmm. what normally happens is when people come with a list of questions, we end up answering the questions without even reading and going through all the questions. So it's all about mm-hmm. setting intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that Sarah, helped me understand Sarah. because I was trying to figure out how 
exactly how, you know, again, with the yes or no answer. And, you know, and like you said, you have to be more specific regardless. And, and yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't mind when I'm when I'm doing readings. It, it, if you want to be ask a very specific question, and it, it doesn't have to be a yes or no, I, I tend to like close my eyes and see what images come to me. And for some reason, it just works out where I, I say what I'm supposed to say. But it's a- easier absolutely. for me to get a yes or no question because then I can ask my intuition, and and the intuition mm-hmm. is is a yes or no response type of thing, and mm-hmm. and then. And then once I do that and I get that yes, then I'll see something in my head that says, okay, now add this to it and further break mm-hmm. it down this way. And that's how that's how the readings work. I mean, no one really taught me how to do readings. I kind of, like, saw some examples and, and you know, took a class and all of that stuff and everything. But it, it, it took me to just know that I, I'm a people person. I know how to talk and have a conversation, and that's how I got into doing them. And, 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 you know, once you start, you keep going. And that's what worked for me. Yep. Well, and I, I think that if people, if you know you're going to go into a session with your pendulum, write down ahead of time your questions. Tweak them. And there are plenty of resources out on the, the Google <laughs> for the Google. questions to the <laughs> Google, you. yeah, to questions to ask your pendulum that are already from people who've got experience that can help you with language and statements, but then to write down your responses and um, keep track of what you're doing as you're receiving the answers. And I honestly found it was more effective for me. The yes-no kind of stuff was less effective, but I did find examples of various grids and wheels that can help you spell out words. And I think a lot of times people get, like, spooked because it starts to look like Ouija boards, and Ouija boards yeah. and divination tools we know have been, like, you know, have a, a bad rap and everybody's like, oh, I don't want to deal with the weeds more and I'm opening myself up to the devil. You know, that kind of thing. Well, you know, every, <laughs> but, every scary movie starts off with a teenager messing with that daggone Ouija board and then opens a, <laughs> a door that they can't close. So, right. and that's the general consensus, you know what I mean? But uh, I, found, I find it's it It's not necessarily a truth you know, Right, and for me, it was always, you know, coming from a Christian background. As soon as you said pendulum, immediately I kind of like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. And there's just so many things that even I, feeling that I'm open, still hesitate. Like I flash back to, you know, is that the last thing I remember? It is, um, I think, an old movie I watched where they were using it to find the witch or something like that. And I never looked at it as another way as far as another way of divination as far as the cards. And I think that's really interesting, the part about making sure you have your questions ready to think about it, you know what I mean, really get specific, but really think about it before you actually go in even to do that. Or like uh, she was saying, even a reading. A lot of us come in just with like general questions, like you said, and not knowing that there's something specific, we're still not asking the right questions. Can I ask Monica a question? Sure. <laughs> okay. I want to know because I grew up, yeah, 
I grew up, you know, okay. Christian as well, and um, mm-hmm. I I always had the you know upbringing, and and we were like Church of God Christian, where it was like you couldn't have earrings, yeah. jewelry, listen to worldly music, this that yeah, it was it was rough. Uh-huh. Couldn't wear so. pants and the vest and the cap on everything. Yeah. Right, no, yeah. Any jewelry, mm-hmm. yeah, anything was just a watch or a wedding ring. That was it, and and like mm-hmm. jazz. Forget it, you know. Even though it didn't have words to it, you know, it was still wordly music, you know. And so right. I went through a lot of that growing up. So as an adult, when I decided to, you know, continue going to church and and you know building my own religion and everything else too, it turned into uh, like a lot of times the biggest debates and conversations and stuff I would get into would be with people who were Christians because they felt like you know. Uh, you know that's the devil, or that's negative, that's nasty. Steer you back on it, on a on it, a good path, right? And so, yeah, and so a lot of times, I and I had to tell myself that as a Christian, or, you know, I I believe in a lot of the things and stuff, but I always put God first. So that to me, you know, made my gift even stronger. And, mm-hmm. and the more I would pray before I did a reading and stuff, the stronger the gift would be, and and and. and you know, I always told myself, I say, well, you know, if this is something God didn't want me to do, then, you know, I want a horrible reading where I, somebody tells me I suck or I'm just horrible, God-awful, and my readings would be so good and, and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you know, I know that there's some God in here, but I just hate when I see, like, people like Wendy Williams and certain people that say, oh, that's sorcery and that's this and I don't like that. And I'm like, okay, well, that's good you don't like it. But that don't mean it's sorcery. That don't mean it's the devil. That don't mean it's negative or anything. Right. And you know, don't if it wasn't for some people getting messages from mediums and people like us and everything, I, I think you know, sometimes that closure is what they need, and you really bless people, and that's what you're here for. You right. know. But well, uh, you know, it was just that one of those things that I kind of grew up. I mean, when you when you said that, it sounded like you know we had a similar upbringing. And, yeah. And that's we what I want to ask you right now. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say well, how do you me, deal with that? Cause, yeah, <laughs> that's because for me, it's, it's still a struggle for me. Yes, and it's still a struggle for me. For me, I think God had a really good sense of humor when He decided to drop me in this particular family because I come mm-hmm. from a long line of ministers and healers mm-hmm. and you know really Christian powerhouses. So mm-hmm. when I came along. I had a little bit of a double teaching. I had an aunt who was into um, Yoruba, and I had my okay. mother and my grandmother who were went from Baptist to Church of God in Christ and, you know, the whole nine. So for me, it was a struggle almost the whole time because I couldn't, I didn't know what was wrong, why it, what, it had stopped to resonate with me. You know, you know, mm-hmm. we were the kids that had to read the Bible several different times and Sunday school, and then just one day it just stopped resonating with me, and I was like, okay. And then I went through a period of, you know, I just don't believe in anything. And it, the biggest fight mm-hmm. were the ministers. You know, it yeah. was constantly a challenge. I um, I tell, I think I told you well the one time they even decided they were going to exercise me, and I'm like, really? oh my god, just, what? We're just going to, yeah, it was it was deep because they brought me in, church full of people, and, um, you know, I'm from up north, so me too. the tongue was, like, Detroit. on fire. 
So and I'm looking at it, and it's my family members, and they're praying, and they got the sage going, and I'm like, Oh my God, that's horrible. Me, that's horrible. Horrible. You know me, and it was, but I was in a bad place at the time, and but it was a necessary place for what I went through. But for them, it was, you know, the combination of me challenging certain things about what I truly believed based off the infrastructure that I was raised in and just finding out that my gifts worked outside of that infrastructure. So it was like a really kind of crazy time for me, but I found I I mean, we we got very similar stories, very similar. Right. I found more to challenging, like, they wanted to prove, you know, even with my mom, and I think that has been the most amazing journey that I've had, is that her being so Bible-based and what I'm going through now, you know, first I had to get her to stop praying against me because my God oh revealed that she was the one that was praying against wow. me. And it, she was praying in fear because there is such a stigma of what they consider the occult. So her thing was, I don't want you to go down a doorway and open a door and something's waiting, you don't know how to. And it was the same thing you said. Mom, if God showed me this path and has me on it, then i got to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he has me and that I'm where I'm supposed to be. But the amazing part is that as I bring her information that I get, you know, from talking to people like you and Joelle and visiting the different um, workshops, that when I pass the information to hear it literally clicking with her. And, you know, okay. even to the point of her saying, I, you know, I mean, maybe you can ask the question for me, Mom, that, that's not how it works. You can't, you know, I mean, you got to do it yourself. <laughs> right. But it's right. just, that was my biggest, you know, I realized that she was the one that I wanted more than anything to kind of just break the shell because she's such a powerful energy person. I mean, my mm-hmm. mom, she's amazing. And I'm like, Mom, do you know how amazing you can be? Even, you know, you can spread out even farther if you just break the barriers. And I had to learn, Marcus, and what was my biggest lesson? Over a certain mm-hmm. age, I let it go. I don't even argue with them. I don't try to get them to see my point or to understand where I'm at. I'm like, okay, it's fine. I, because I, I realize. Mm-hmm. I realized that that was the religion that helped them get through some of the most trying times in our culture. So they're not they're not ready to let go, and I can feel that. You right. know, and I just you and know, I, I used to things. be the same way, and and there were times when I couldn't do a reading on someone who was atheist, and then and then I I thought about it, and I was like, well, maybe I'm the one who's creating that conflict, and I said right. because I'm pushing I'm pushing my Christianity down their throat. You know, mm-hmm. and then I had to open my mind and say, okay, well, let me come into this and pray for myself and then do the right. reading. And I noticed how right. things changed, and I, I, could, I could do a reading with anybody pretty much now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I would get attacked, you know, from out of nowhere. Well, wait a minute, you said something about clairvoyant. Wait, what's that? Wait a minute, are you still a Christian, right? And I'm like, yes, that didn't change. You know, <laughs> I woke up the same, yeah. in the same body I've been in all my life. You know, nothing's changed. Right. And and that would that would be the 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 start of the conversation. So I, I'm sorry, Joel. I'm trying to take everything way to the left, off track, and everything. No, you know, no, this is. Something I want to. Something I want to bring up and ask. This is perfectly aligned. 
you know, I was going to say to Monica, even the way that you stated your position, which is that God must have a sense of humor because he put me in this family that is very deep into religiousness. And I would say, well, that's rather a short-term view of your your energetic history. If we're looking at the mm-hmm. modern Christian era, that's only 2,000 years. And I think there right. is this kind of false idea that is very consistently repeated over and over again that world history, the history of mm-hmm. beings and humanity and presence began at 0 A.D., because that's what we count our current year system from. But before you were a prophetess or a priest or a preacher, you might have been the medicine woman of your community. You might have been the wise elder of your village. Uh You know, so there was language outside of what the the fear-based portion of institutional religion Uh has brought yeah, in things to separate us from the true natural spiritual connection that existed. And we all know the Roman Empire had a political goal in in making right. Christianity the religion of the, the known civilization. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we have to mm-hmm. step outside Capitalism. of that language of framing ourselves to say, you know, no, I am in the right family. Because my family mm-hmm. has a history of matriarchal lineage, an epigenetic, right. that's another conversation, an epigenetic yes. legacy, it's in our DNA yes. to have vision. You know, Marcus has his whole family of people who are readers and seers. You come from a long line of women visionaries who have only recently been known as prophetesses, ministers, and that right, language right. is specific to that. But it's not that. And it's, no it's so much older. That you have, yeah, and that's what no I had to learn. That you I have to learn. Your, your aunt, who is the the Yoruba um, influence as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I looked at it after a while, and it was funny because I went to, especially after the exorcism, I was just like, you know, I really, you know, mm, just really kind I, of I would cut love me off. to one day get that get that full story. Like really, I really would. I mean, I, if, if, if you don't mind, like one day I got to. I, I'm just so shocked by that. Like I'm like, what? Yeah, I'm gonna put it up my episode now. list. <laughs> yeah, it's funny now, but it was we're gonna not have a show funny about at all. But it's yeah, because I, I, I went through admit. something like that, but not that bad. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, but yeah. it was well, a, it was a time as well when I started finding myself and. I used to have a tail in the back of my head, and, I, you know, I have Cherokee in the history of the family, and, and I was just, you know, doing different things in it. But that was unacceptable, and, you know, I would go to the bathroom and come back, and everybody would be staring at me or looking at me side-eyed. And I'm like, what, what just yes. happened? And the pastor said something while I was gone, you know, and then it became a mission. Who in the church is going to, you know, get him to cut, mm-hmm. cut his tail off his head and, and, you know, right. bring him back to singing in the choir and, you know, doing what we say do. And, mm-hmm. and, and hush, you know. right. And yeah, mine started when I was really young. <laughs> I, was a, I was a rebel really, really young, and I was challenging priests really young. And they were just like, oh, wow. she is going to be a problem child. And by the time I, you know, became a teenager, I was just like, you know what, I'm cutting all this loose. And I remember, you know, and I didn't know the rhetoric that I know now. 
so I remember going to God because it's not that I abandoned God. I abandoned the religion, but I couldn't tell the difference. And it wasn't until I started allowing myself to expand outside the barriers that I allowed to be put in my put around me that I found my way back to it, not completely, but a different right. kind of reverence you know, of God and what my true meaning and I had and then I also was able to find a difference between my spirituality and my religious infrastructure. So it was it, it's been a journey and it's still somewhat hard because even like I said, with the pendulums the first thing that my mind went to like, Oh my goodness, no, not this and then the other part <laughs> though is remember you now we we said we were letting go of all that, you know, Structure and infrastructure And we're going to be free And it was like wow And in that moment it was like Okay now you know you've always had questions So here's the time to ask them <laughs> Because that, mm-hmm. it was always there for me And I just could not I thought you know I'm not going to lie Sometimes I thought that maybe I was Maybe a little possessed Because certain things really hit me to the core So I you know I kind of Went along with it Because I did not understand and what was happening to me. And that's one of the things that I appreciate more with, you know, working with Joel is that we have forums where we can ask questions. Where in Christianity, like you said, you go to your pastor and say something, and he got you looking out the side, out the side of his eye like, wait a minute, I'm going to go get the oil because right. something's wrong, and it's really a gift that was given that you can even use for them. But we have been so hot not to touch it. Now, uh, Kelly Lynn Prime, I know you said you've got to head out, but did you have anything? Were you religiously oppressed too in your childhood? (laughs) (laughs) I would not say I was. I was not religiously oppressed. I was very, very religiously open which means mm-hmm. I was very, very involved in the church. And um, <clears throat> I feel like it was a path that kept me, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel like it kept me out of trouble, per se. Um, I was very involved with, um, like like you, Joelle, I, I grew up in the Methodist church, and mm-hmm. I was very involved with, uh, youth ministries and summer camps and all of that. Mm-hmm. When I was in high school, I started going to an Assembly of God, which is Pentecostal. Mm. I started going yep. to a pen- Pentecostal youth group. And at 16, mm-hmm. I started um, speaking in tongues. Ah. So for me... I know now that that was my channel opening and, you know, spirit coming through me and my beginnings as a, as a, a channel. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, at that time you only have so much context and there's only so many people you can talk to about it. Um, It was not anything that I shared with my family because I knew that they would think it was crazy. 
Because it was right. kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, I say Methodists don't do that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Either mess around and went in the wrong door. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, well, let me just say here that I don't think anyone has a, a problem with the spiritualism, the connection to faith and practices and understanding that which is outside of yourself, that which religious practices or belief systems bring to you. Uh, you know, I think that it's when there becomes fear-based and judgmental-based uh, frameworks that emerge out of the institutions of religious rather than the actual spiritual connection to God and Jesus right. or Buddha or whatever your faith practice connects you to, I think that's super important. So I don't want it to seem like any of us here are uh, bashing that, but I think that the the behaviors of people within the structures that have been created around religious practices is what people yes, have had exactly. that experience as well. Exactly. Yes, and I definitely agree with that because, like I said, for me, I had to step out and somewhat shun Christianity in order for something to, like, swing me back around to it like, this is where you were supposed to be. You were supposed to learn this because, you know, I, I think I was reading an article where it was saying that religion is what first introduces us into the possibilities of the spirituality and our gifts. So we usually go through some track of religion. Now, whether or not it resonates with us fully is part of the journey of finding out where you fit and where your belief systems are. But my question that I wanted to ask, because I've always, I've had this thought the first time I read, um, you know, I got into African religions and reading rituals and watching a couple of them and comparing them to the Pentecostal uh, Church and God in Christ and speaking in tongues and different things like that. And what I what I observe is a... A moving, uh, a carrying on of traditions just in different names or under different labels. So, mm. you know, in being specific as far as the voodoo ceremony and the um, channeling of the gods or the spirits or the deities, the Orishas, and mm-hmm. the parallel between that and what we consider the Holy Ghost that brings those speaking in tongues. And you know, you you said something interesting when you said. That was what let me know that I could channel. And I think a lot of it comes from, like you said, Joe, it's a fear base. But when you look at the history of it, we realize this is a practice that has been going on for a long time. And, again, information not being passed down to us in the correct way so we understand what's going on with us. And we understand where it's coming from, and we're not condemning ourselves or restricting our gifts out of fear. Well, let's so be I'll very just... clear. Let's be very clear that many of the um, indigenous um, spiritual practices or religions, if you will, significantly predate Christianity. So this shit is not 
exclusive to Christianity. Somebody else was doing right. that before Christianity rolled around. Right, exactly. Exactly. And you mm-hmm. can see the parallels between the ancient beliefs and what we practice. Again, mm-hmm. it may be placed in another name or watered down a little bit, but you can see the connections to see how religion has evolved or in certain places devolved. You know, I have to interject here and chuckle real quick. I know you said you have to go, Carolyn, but if you hold on just a little more. One of the questions that came in through the group, and this is something that um, also has come up this week, there is a very strong synchronistic conversation that is happening about Native American and indigenous Mm. practices. I've had conversations with this week a person who is a shaman who learned his shaman path through an Amazonian, you know, Indian Amazon-based um, practice, huh? and mm-hmm. and he's now studying with a shaman in Colorado that is based that also has experience down in the Mayan, the Riviera Maya. Wow. As you know, I've lived in Playa del Carmen and have am planning a trip to Chichen Itza in the fall for the equinox. Another uh, information with the, I saw information this week that was referencing the white buffalo that was born in 2008 and white buffalo calf mm-hmm. woman and her prophecies. I've had a conversation with someone about the Lakota prophecies and around the whole black snake uh, with the Dakota Access Pipeline. And here we are in this mm-hmm. conversation and we're ending up talking about indigenous and eldest of teaching. So I believe that there's something important in our connections and conversation to have in that area. I think there must be something coming forth. And I believe that we are in a time of prophecy according to many of the uh, American Native Indian teachings that we are in the new age, or I think it's been referenced as the seventh generation, uh, things like that. Um, and so I would, you know, I have a caller, I think, actually, who just clicked on to talk about this. So, um, Kelly, if you do have to disconnect, thank you for joining the call this evening, and I will provide your information as we close out the show in about another half hour for thank people you. who wish to contact you, okay? And stick around thank if you. you can. But, um, yeah, so Native American energy is definitely coming forward right now in a consistent mm-hmm. and repetitive fashion. And another friend who is a psychic was talking about how it came up in her energy um, just in the last two weeks, three different people have come to her and the word Lakota has ended up being in their conversation. So uh, caller number with Eric Hopuoto, is this Jill? Yes. Yay. So Jill is on the line. Jill's actually part of the conversation I was having. This is my cousin from Nebraska, everyone. Yay. Jill, thanks for joining us this evening. And Jill, would you tell our listeners what it is that you do for a living in your connection with Native American energies? Oh, yeah, sure. I am the Indian Child Welfare Program Coordinator for the state of Nebraska. Um, Prior to this, I was working with the Ponca Tribe of Nebraska for about seven years as their Indian Child Welfare Act specialist. Um, 
So I have had the opportunity to visit the reservations here in Nebraska specifically, uh, but have also attended lots of conferences with the National Indian Child Welfare Association um, and met many, many people from the Native American community. So is that what you're looking for, Joelle? Well, yeah. I mean, let's say when we were talking in the uh, car last week, I was running through certain theories and stuff, and you were like giggling, and you were like, well, yeah, that's what the Native American teaching is. That's not new. That's what they talk about in the tribe, you know, and I'm like, well, of course, the indigenous peoples were the receivers of the first um, knowledge as they developed an understanding of the world that they lived in, and you see it all over the world. The first peoples always had teachings about spirit connection. They took spirit journeys. They looked at the earth, and that's uniform across all indigenous. It doesn't matter what continent that that the people came from. They were talking about water and earth, brother, sky, sister, tree, or, you know, whatever the gender that was assigned. It was very different from a lot of the belief systems that we're dealing with now. So I don't think it's an accident that we're all starting to receive some kind of nudge from spirit that says there's something older, there's something different than what you're currently operating under, and the closer you get back to these older energies, possibly the more balanced and healthy you have an opportunity to be. That may be an assumption, but um, I think it's certainly telling... I was going to say, Joel, I think you're absolutely right. I think that, you know, I, I'm certainly not an expert um, by any means, but everything that I've learned through my years of working with um, the Native American population here is that there is definitely um, information that we can learn from the elders and from the ancestors mm-hmm. and the storytelling from many, many generations ago about what has happened and where we're going. Um, I would say to your listeners that if you want to get some more information about that, look at the um, Wellbriety Journey to Forgiveness um, information on YouTube. That is a great place to start as far as as that goes. Um, But It's definitely something that I think that um, there's an awareness for Native Americans that I don't necessarily see with other populations. And I don't know what that is, and I don't know why I say that, but I I just do. Hmm. I would definitely agree on that. I was going to say it's interesting because our panel this evening includes uh, three African Americans two white women, and is that everyone? I think that's everyone on the call. So if you mm-hmm. look at I have I have some our, in my family, yeah. And so do I. Yeah, we found mm-hmm. out a couple of years ago well, that, yeah, there was a connection. Mm-hmm. The existing paradigm has relegated women of any color uh, as a whole gender, certainly – the vestiges of 
colonialism for indigenous people and, of course, the slavery that arose out of the colonialist um, intentions, which imbalanced. I mean, there is a significant, I think, correction underway of the imbalance and injustices that have occurred. I mean, I can't imagine. I know what it's like when we talk about slavery trauma and you know, certainly people say, oh, well, you should just get over it. Slavery was 400 years ago and all that kind of stuff. But even in Native Americans, they dwell in a day-to-day existence on a reservation. You know what exactly. I mean? That kind of exact exactly. reality that you now have to shrink yourself to live on a place that has been ceded to you, supposedly, but then you're kept in an oppressed economic structure, and I'm sure generation the after that generation. you're seeing, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like the things that you're but, seeing. If but, any, uh, Joelle, I was just going to say, I think that really what I am coming to learn, though, is is that this whole idea about epigenetics and the historical trauma um, is really still there. And so for even um, African-American black people that have issues right now, that is about this whole idea of, um, I'm sorry, about trauma, that they have intergenerational trauma that has been passed down exactly. through their DNA. And it's the same right. thing that Native Americans feel, and it's the same we thing that Holocaust ancestors. survivors feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are well, yep. If you look at the human, like if you say that your first energetic soul consciousness incarnated um, many, many lifetimes ago. And the whole idea of epigenetics is that you are your ancestor in a present evolutionary form. And your children and progeny are your biological self manifested in future form. And so the collective experience cellularly of everything that your soul journey has experienced through its evolution, is contained in your DNA and in your body proper. And that's the, the, there's a lot of science now that's looking at epigenetics, and that's E-P-I-G-E-N-E-T-I-C-S. And then, you know, we had a show a few months back that was about the chakras, and uh, Paula Gore, who has appeared on the show several times, spoke about how even being birthed through the root chakra energetic center of the mother, there is an energetic uh, inheritance in addition to the cellular inheritance that you then have to move yourself through and out of as you develop yourself in your lifetime. And any clearing, healing, resolution that you can do then will be passed on genetically and emotionally to your children, you know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of heavy when you think of it because most of us think, well, I didn't get over my childhood. But it's not just your childhood. It's incredibly, <laughs> it's incredibly heavy when you think about it, Joelle. I mean, and you and I both know as adopted kids, we don't know where – 
you know, that comes from for us. But when you talk about Native Americans and the high rate of removal and placement of those children, how many people are out there without knowing, you know, that information. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I I definitely agree, you know, with the whole um, taking on that trauma and reliving you know, even if we don't see it physically within our uh, before our eyes, that in our mind's eyes and in our conscious and our subconscious, we are reliving the different traumas that we have gone through throughout our lifetime. And one of the things that the lady you were saying about, Joelle, she talked about healing childhood trauma and how we become the healing of that trauma for our parents. And for me, when I look at the, you know, everything comes in full circle, you know, and though we would like to undo the past, our recent past, we have to understand even four or 500 years ago, it was it's still considered our recent past and that we were, things were so much, you know, things were different. We, there was a different belief system back then, and you know, back that time. When you read um, Herodotus and he talks about the ancient times and things weren't the same. And there was more of an openness, more of a connection to nature, the first religion itself. And like you said, Joel, these people keep, you know, hold the key to that information. And here in the United States, you know, unfortunately, we have so much trauma for so many cultures, and because of different practices, it's all kind of layered on everything else. So it's, you know, really trying to find who and what you are, what your destiny is, what your connection is. But for the Native American itself, you know, granted, it's still terrible, but one of the things that I try to pull positive is that certain belief systems are still held, you know what I mean, and still practiced. And there is a certain culture that is still revered, even though that may be the only thing that they can hold on to, they're holding on to it tight. And for that, you know, I look at them in awe because I'm like the strength to continue to live under these conditions but still attempt to be active in our humanity. And I really, you know, when we look at everything that's gone on, they hold that humanity, you know what I mean, and that even the still still praying and Joe we talked about the people of light and they said that it was uh, the aborigines were considered the people of light and there was the ones that were pray that you know would pray and to keep everything moving in balance and I've come to look at Native Americans the same way you know even when you read their histories you see that even some of the things that we consider part of American culture or even European culture actually comes from them. So you see where the cultures have melted, you know, and traditions have evolved within the mosaic that is America. But I guess the biggest problem is we're still dealing with um, human hierarchies that we don't even see just how much 
others have influenced us and we have influenced others, and how much of a real mosaic and how special this country truly is. You know what I mean? When you really pay attention to the origin and the significance of this land, you know what I mean? Not just the trauma, but the greatness that we well, brought Well, I would challenge on. that. I would, I would challenge that a little bit because there are Native peoples, indigenous peoples on every continent. So, right. you know, it, America may have its own particular trauma, but so does New Zealand and Australia and so does Europe. Exactly. And there's nowhere that you can go on this planet that has not been impacted by a power imbalance that has been very harmful to the people who have been enslaved and subjugated and whatnot. What I find mm-hmm. interesting is that we're hearing the word shaman now way more than you did like in 20 years ago. I'm meeting people all over who are practicing shamanic, what they call shamanic practices. And part of me is like, okay, this is really cool because uh, it, uh, you know, think that there are balanced teachings that come from the path of shamanism that's interesting. And part of me says, on the other hand, I'm like, how do the Native Americans feel about all of a sudden all these, not like in America per se, non-Native Americans who are now wearing the title of shaman? And even in Africa, the word shaman, we find that it's used when we reference, you know, tribal shamans and elders there. So it's it's like part of me feels like, is it cultural appropriation? Are we doing the wrong thing? But the other part of me is like, well, no, we've all been indigenous persons if you subscribe to a theory of reincarnation. Exactly. So we're mm-hmm. we're bringing maybe forth an energy that we're resonate from thousands and thousands of years ago is now re-emerging into our collective consciousness in present-day time. So I guess, can you culturally appropriate something that is a past life experience? No, I know. You can't. You can't. And that's the thing. I I think that we have gotten so caught up in the rhetoric of race that and the the definition of it in a modern view instead of the the old view and the correct view of race being a human, the human race itself. You know, we are, we are beautifully made, it says. So we know that our body will adapt to survive. And that's a lot of things that were happening. But I think we look at things on a, we tend to look at history with a present view instead of, his, the view it actually was, you know, we look at a time where we have, you know, millions on top of millions and millions of people. We didn't start off like that. You know what I mean? We look at it, we're spread across the globe. We didn't start off like that. You know what I mean? We started off with small clans in certain areas and through migration and, you know, climate change, envi- environmental disasters, whatever, you know what I mean, natural disasters, I want to say, that the landscape changed. But there was but also still colonialization. But also right. colonialization. Mhm. Well, that was the last. Well, and part I was wondering. It, speaking... Go ahead. Go ahead. 
Well, I was no, just I was wondering saying, from... speaking of a, uh, an old view of if we take off those glasses of the hardships that we have seen come through the time that we can know, that we see physically, that we know the history, uh, you know what I mean, our present, we know that, again, we were all one. It was all one. It's always been all, one species. It's always been one well, species, and it will always be one species. But part of what I was going to ask is that, you know, we have to ask those who would be culturally appropriated if they feel it qualifies. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like an outsider's hubris to say, well, no, I used to be Native American back five lifetimes ago, so I can call myself a shaman now and feel okay with that. And I'm wondering if, Jill, you have any, like, when you're, Speaking with the elders and they're talking about this awakening, because from what I understand, there is conversation about this shift of energy. Is there a what do you have you heard anyone say anything about now everybody wants to be like us or, you know, I don't know how to phrase it, but (laughs) now we're relevant, basically. Yeah, that's a good question, Joelle, and I don't know that I can, I I mean, I am really hesitant to speak for Native American people in general or even for any specific tribe, but I I really think that if, if, I think that we're looking at the here and now, and I think we're looking at who is a member of a tribe and who has cultural knowledge of that tribe now. And I, I, that's what I would say. So if someone is trying to say that I, you know, have a past life five lifetimes ago or whatever, and so I feel like that I am whatever, I'm not sure I'm understanding your question correctly, but I'm not sure that that would really be okay. I think that's, I think that's cultural appropriation. And well, so I appreciate that I appreciate the conversation and I appreciate the question of very much because I think I, I, I don't think that's okay. Well, it's kind of like when even like Monica and Marcus both said, "Well, I have Cherokee in my blood. I have Cherokee in my family. I have a little you know, so I have a little Indian in me, right?" So genetically, that's one statement, but. You know, very, and of course, very many, re- very right, many people say I'm Cherokee. Right. And they don't have, like, per, say, per se, the teachings that come along culturally in present time with being Cherokee. But I think that right. some people, this triggers them to explore things such as shamanic healing or shamanic modalities of doing things. Because, you know, they're like, well, I'll acquire knowledge from someone because this resonates with me energetically. And for whatever reason, I'm drawn to know more about shamanism. So, you know, the maybe the word appropriation is just too black and white for the nuances of spiritual things. Because, I mean, you don't have to be from India to be a Buddhist. I guess you don't have to be a Native American to be drawn to shamanism. I think it's a respect thing that comes No, you don't, but it is a, I agree, it's a respect thing, exactly. And I think that there are, there are ways to go about this, and 
ways to understand. We have 567 Native American tribes that are federally recognized in the United States. Wow. And, wow. Yeah. And so each one of them has their own distinct culture and their own distinct um, beliefs and their own distinct tribal codes and their own distinct way of living. And in addition to that, we have other tribes that are state-recognized that have not been federally recognized because the, the federal government went into a period of terminating tribes as being federally recognized, and they have not regained federal recognition. So I, it's, it's, it's a really complex issue. Every tribe has their own culture, has their own belief system, has their own way of being, whether it's a band or clan clan system or um, those types of things. I mean, it's, it's really very complicated. I went and got an encyclopedia of Native Americans to help me understand. I took a class and I was blown away by the information. So I went and hunted down material to read and I was really you know, you think you know, but you really don't. And like I said, I go back to a respect thing. I think that we we should be open enough to be able to explore new things. And you know, you never know who and what you are. But there's a there's a line of respect that we all must have when we're going into something that is not familiar. Us and it's not all respect for ourselves, it's respect for that person, you know. So, I am so excited about the conversation this evening. I will say, we're down to our final three minutes. This has been a two hour conversation. We've covered A through Z, and I think we have Z through A still to cover. I think there's definitely something that is coming forward with the uh, Native American consideration or indigenous peoples. I'm not even going to say Native American because there are indigenous peoples all over this planet that are now, we're hearing more, uh, it's coming more to the forefront of society. There's more conversations about it. Certainly the Dakota Access Pipeline brought out a lot of communities from all over the world, um, um, indigenous and otherwise, to support the idea that water is life and a planetary resource and that there is a problem or an imbalance possible by what was happening. Um, This show is on every Thursday night from 9 until uh, 10 or 11, depending on how things are going. And the episodes are going to be available on the Vibrary YouTube channel for you to listen to afterwards and download if you want to listen to work on your way to to and from work. Also, the Vibrarian and the Psychic Inside Show are both available on iTunes. So if you're in the Apple Garden, then you can certainly find the information there. If you're in the Atlanta area this Sunday out in East Point, Georgia, to the south of downtown near the airport, is the Vibrary Elevation Station. And this is a gathering of uh, holistic vendors and service providers, as well as psychic readers and intuitives who provide services. Um, it will be from 2 to 6 p.m. at the Cupcakery in East Point, Georgia. And you can find out more information about this on the Vibrarian webpage, or uh, the Vibrarian Facebook community, excuse me. Also, next Tuesday on the Psychic Inside Show, my special guest is 
Nancy Byrne, and she is a psychic intuitive and a course instructor, and she's written a book called Choices. And so I'll be interviewing her about her life of discovering her gifts and abilities. So I want to thank Marcus, clairvoyant Marcus Howell, who's been on the show this evening. You can find him on his Facebook page if you're interested in having services uh, with him. Marcus, thank you so much for this evening. Um, And then I also have Monica, who was on the phone with the conversation. And Monica will also be at the Elevation Station helping with the flow of things on Sunday. And I always appreciate the conversations that we have on air and off the air. And uh, my cousin Jill, thank you so much for calling in this evening with your contributions. And we will definitely be fine-tuning and coming back on to talk about some things and maybe we'll be able to explore some of the oldest practices of spiritualism. We'll be able to look at epigenetics and things like that. It's always an interesting ride on this show, and I just am grateful for the opportunity to kind of enjoy myself in public forum because this this just really excites me. So, Marcus, Monica, Jill, thank you so much this evening. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I wish you all the blessings that you can hold this week and that your life is filled with love and light. Namaste. Namaste. Mad love and positive energy. <laughs>